Welcome to The Word from Bethlehem Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Abigail Zhang Hoffman. And I'm Pastor Amy Walter-Peterson. Thanks for dwelling in The Word with us today. Hello and welcome to this episode of Living the Word. Today we have the privilege of sharing conversation with Amani O'Lear, who is the Director of Evangelical Mission for the Upstate New York Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and that is a mouthful, um, but we are delighted to share some conversation and get to know her a little bit. Um, so Amani, welcome. Thank you for having me, the two of you. I am just grateful and, and just realizing how much our lives have intertwined over the years, and so I'm just grateful to sit with you. Amani, I believe that you and I were doing internship at the same time. Is that, am I right in remembering that? And I think it overlapped with Abby as well, right, Abigail? Because you did some work while I was in Lancaster. Um, I remember like sitting in an office with you as well. Maybe, maybe around first call. I think it was first, I think our first calls, we were close enough together in those first, uh, first call yeah. Um, yeah. Training so, leadership, leadership training times. Yes. Yeah. So all yeah. three of our lives have kind of did this beautiful weave. A three strand cord is not easily broken, right? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yes. So uh, Amani, we'll start with just telling us, tell, having you tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What, um, what kinds of things are you engaged in these days? Take it away. Uh, so I've uh, been in the Synod, um, oh goodness gracious, uh, 2005. Um, and uh, what's interesting about that is I was an intern 2003-2004. And um, at the time I came in as Kimberly Elizabeth, um, mm. which is interesting. So Kimberly Elizabeth was my birth name and my father took me through a rites of passage uh, through an Afrocentric principles. Um, and he uh, said, you are no longer Kimberly Elizabeth. So I had my own Saul Paul experience mm-hmm. uh, during this transition. And um, he renamed me Amani Nedhari, which means faith in the vision. And um, he started seeing qualities and me uh, walking into this call. Uh, differently than what Kimberly used to do, which is a whole nother podcast uh, that we won't have to do. <laughs> um, but um, I am the mother of two children, um, adults now, uh, Hakeem and Maisha. Uh, grandmother are Mimi, two, three children, uh, Alfonso, uh, Gemma, and Zayana. And um, get the fortunate uh, privilege to journey with Eric as my husband. Uh, we've been married now. Oh gosh, goodness gracious. You know, I'm that girl. I don't always remember when we got married. Um, I feel like I've known them always, but I know it was June 17th. Can't remember the year, but we've known each other for eight years, uh, nine years. Goodness. Nine years. Yeah. Time flies. Time flies. flies. You know, Amani, I've heard your 
the story of your name transition, but I didn't, I don't think I ever realized it coincided with your call to ministry and, and kind of starting that chapter of your journey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, while in seminary, I graduated from Trinity Lutheran Seminary in Columbus. And um, that was also an interesting transition, right? For people who knew me as Kimberly or uh, Reverend John Scarfia as my supervisor internship, right? Um, and they all participated in this acknowledgement of, of my faith and mm -hmm. um, the direction of my life. That's really wow. beautiful. Yeah. Um, what an external affirmation of that too, of that change. Yeah. yeah. Um, Amani, you, uh, Pastor Hoffman mentioned a, a moment ago, just the very long title that you now inhabit in, you know, one of the many calls that you live out in your life. Um, and that's really one that's connected to Bethlehem in a kind of an extended way. Um, but what, is, what do all those words mean? What does that title mean in kind of a daily reality about what you do, how you spend your time, um, what, what holds meaning for you in your daily life, all of those sorts of things? Yeah, I'm still learning how to live into that. I've started this call um, January 31st of this year, transitioning from Reformation as their pastor and moving them into merger with a different conversation. Uh, congregation. Um, director of Evangelical Mission, I'm basically a deployed staff from uh, Chicago office, or the mothership of sorts, um, to work with um, persons who wish to start new mission, right, to look in non-traditional ways on how they can do ministry within the upstate New York, which runs the gamut of like New England line, Southern tier, Jamestown, like it's all of that. And working with what's called Senate authorized worshiping communities, our new starts, our strategic ministry. So whether Bethlehem wants to start um, something new in their context, that could be a strategic ministry. And you just have a conversation with me, like, and I always start that question with, uh, with new start, excuse me, strategic ministry by asking, okay, so what is essential for you? And what do you feel is missing? And let's talk from there. And then with um, mission developers like South Wedge Mission, which um, thank you Bethlehem for being beautiful partners for them, but um, who wants to start this kind of organic community um, that speaks to some of the heartache like South Wedge Mission does of how people have felt the church has harmed them. And so how can we help them become organized? And then the other arm of it is uh, working as the assistant to Bishop Miller on all things socialism um, around racism, gender issues, as well as what we'll start in September or beyond, uh, around creation. Yeah. Creation justice. I really love, um, I really love the questions that you use to shape those conversations when you, when you start to have them asking what's essential and what's missing. Uh, I feel like that is 
a lot of the conversation that um, Abby and I have with each other Mm -hmm. and are always trying to figure out who are other partners um, within the Bethlehem community and, and our wider community to talk about that with, but yeah, what is essential to what it is that we're trying to do right now and what God is even more importantly, what God is calling us to do right now uh, and what's missing. Uh, those are, those are really great strategic questions. Thank you. And they're questions that I mean, I've observed, um, have shaped your own ministry. Um, I have, I've watched from afar, you know, we were colleagues for all those years right here in the Genesee Finger Lakes conference. Um, and um, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about uh, the, the what's missing that you have answered in your own calling over the years. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm always looking at from a justice lens. I'm always looking at like what can, as it says in Isaiah, like learn to do good, seek justice, right? Correct oppression. Um, how can we bring justice to areas? Uh, what's the widow's cause as they talk about? And so for me, what is missing a lot of times in some of our ministries is that we're so um, insidious, like we're always just looking within. And mm-hmm. so when that happens, collapse happens in our church systems, right? Or in the world, um, in whatever system it may be. So I try to look at, okay, how can we answer that? Before um, going into uh, this role as DEM, uh, we started Yoga for a Good Hood in the community. Yoga for a Good Hood's mission was to create that um, area of inequity in access to wellness, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody should have access to that. Every, mm-hmm. That's a civil right. And so, all right, so we had yoga for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. How can we do that? Um, and so the same is true in all of our contexts. One of the passions of mine before answering this call was working with um, the queer community, um, particularly Black queer community, and how they can see themselves within the body of Christ, how they can see that they are uh, enfleshed there, that Mm. God sees and honors them. Um, And the reason why stepping from that call is that I realized very quickly at 50 something years old, there were some dynamics that I couldn't give energy to. So it is also acknowledging when it's not, it's not the time Mm. for, for the individual. And that meant myself. Yeah. Oh, you look like you were going to say something, Abby. (laughs) Sorry. That's okay. Um, So uh, in in that work you do then, uh, and in the calling that you live out to asking those questions, um, what does a day of ministry look like for you? It is a work in progress, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, Like being deployed is different. I guess then uh, like being in the parish for me um, because it changes in an instant. Um, But a general framework work is 
uh, three times a week, I'm on Zoom calls with ELCA, um, with um, the division that comes out of working with all the DEMs, um, which is beautiful because I get to learn a little bit more from different conferences and different DEMs and realizing that there is no rhyme or reason really for the position, which... Uh, <laughs> even after 13 years, there is no rhyme or reason. I, I, I say that as one who held that position a long time ago. Yeah. I, my question two months ago was, <clears throat> can someone give me a checklist of the things? And they said, that's a good idea. And I said, uh, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> you mean I took a job that doesn't have the checklist? Doesn't have a checklist. What I'm supposed to be doing. Right. And, yeah, and yeah. for me, who's who wants, I, I have this, you know, thing in my personality. I want to do it right. And I want to do it well. And I also know that I am uh, responsible for people's money for these new mission starts, right? Mm -hmm. I need a checklist. So it's a process of now trying to develop the right way for me to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, as the assistant to the bishop, so assistant to the bishop begins a different one. So I'm involved in conflict. Um, they don't call it conflict and healing anymore, but around systems that are happening within our churches. So uh, sometimes I get to be uh, that person as well. In a given day, um, I get to go into churches without the pressure of someone being upset and wanting to call me to the table um, for um, speaking a truth from God. Mm -hmm. um, I can come in, let's say to Bethlehem without the pressure of someone saying, oh, we're going to stop giving because you said the thing, right? I can say the thing, um, which has been an incredible freeing thing. So I get to write more in a very um, authentic way as well. So that's kind of my day. And some days are heavier than others. Uh, today was a heavy day just dealing with some mission development crisis that is happening in Buffalo um, mm -hmm. due to the murder of several persons in tops and trying to help some ministries get solidified there. Uh, but sometimes it's very light. One of the things, Amani, that I've um, always appreciated about your gifts for ministry um, are the ways, um, uh, when you said you, you have some freedom to say some things because you're in this role, I, I've experienced you as exercising that freedom for the whole time I've known you um, and and being blessed by that, um, that you speak a word of truth, whether or not people have ears to hear it. Um, and I am grateful to have you in this role because that broadens the space in which you're speaking. Um, but I'm also aware that, that you have that on the ground experience of thinking about ministry as not being bound by the walls of the particular parish you serve. Uh, and, and I'm really grateful that you are sharing that experience and now walking alongside others who also share that vision to bring the good news beyond the particular four walls in which 
someone is called or planted, um, but into the wider community and asking those strategic questions, uh, not only of the gathered community, but of the surrounding neighborhoods. And where are the needs and where are the holes and how does God's love and God's mission uh, invite us into those spaces and what could be new and creative about meeting those needs. You know, um, thank you, Abby. I, mm, I struggle with, um, even in seminary, uh, I remember uh, Dr. Croy crying in his office because I couldn't figure out Greek, right? Like I couldn't figure out to parse a sentence for the thing. Um, and, and Dr. Croy, and I was about to leave ministry. Like, I'm like, I can't do this. I'm not smart enough. Ah. And um, he said, remember, as, as well as Dr. Bowman, remember to read it and your lens is valuable, right? And I'm always trying to figure that out. Um, as a Black woman in the Lutheran church that has been striving to become 10% uh, African-American for 15, 20 years, um, and me finding home here within the theology um, and the liberation that comes from that, mm-hmm. I want others to experience that. And I want that same freedom for all of us that are brothers and sisters, they like all the scope of us in this body. And um, it is a privilege and an honor to do that. And it is a... Um, it's sometimes heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that through my ancestral lineage, as I look over at my great-great-grandmother, Lucy, who was uh, a slave, I, I know that the gospel in her way, like she needed that, to, like I'm living that out for them. Like I am their wildest dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have a responsibility um, that I do not take lightly. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, as you engage in that ministry, Amani, and, you know, uh, carry all of that with you, um, is there a particular resource, a hymn, you know, something from the Christian tradition that continues to sustain you, um, you know, to give you strength to, um, just to, to, keep you going on the days when it just feels really hard? Mm. Um, In our ELW, we don't sing it very often. (laughs) Um, It's called um, Now Behold the Lamb. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not going to sing it because also that is not my gift. Um, I'm really clear about that. They turn my mic off every time I start singing. Um, But... um, those words like now behold the lamb the precious lamb of god right like who bore all of our sins it 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 also sustains me for when white supremacy is reeling its ugly head when violence is reeling its ugly head that this lamb bore all of that Mm -hmm. and it makes me go okay Christ truly was not comfortable on that cross. So who am I, right? To think that I have to be comfortable, right? I'm not saying that I am everybody's answer to everything and that I don't need to solve everything for everyone. But I do know that the lamb did that 
for me and for all of us, and then has called me to speak that truth, to learn to do good, to seek justice, to, to even defend those who need defense, to say, I'm gonna plead for the widow, um, to give them voice. Yeah, so justice scriptures really always resonate with me as a woman that has experienced her own violence. My son's father was murdered. Um, my daughter's father experienced incarceration for years and years and years and was caught up in that system. And so, and they're, it's like, oh, and they're good people. Well, tell my father, my son's father was murdered. They're good people, right? Instead of what we say. Also, I believe that white supremacy is a heart disease and it can be cured. It, it can be cured. And so if it can be cured, if we can acknowledge the privilege that we all operate in and we can acknowledge and see the disease, then we can maybe begin to live in the kingdom of God in such a beautiful way. You gave me shivers, Amani. That's really powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this time goes way too fast. Every time. There's so many more <laughs> questions to ask and so, yeah. so much more to, to learn from and hear from you about. But today, um, we will just leave us hanging until our next conversation. Um, but we'll end our time together with what we call just the fun five, five quick questions um, to, to get a little sense of you. And um, they are not intended to reflect long and hard on. We just kind of want your first first answer. Oh boy. Um, okay. <laughs> all right. Number one, coffee or tea? Coffee. <laughs> he looks at us with a puzzled face. She, like, why? Why is this a question? Holding up and she holds up her big mug for us too to see. <laughs> one day we'll ask somebody this question and they will say tea or they will say neither. It hasn't happened yet. Evening is tea. Okay. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Right. <laughs> Two uh, favorite ice cream flavor. Non-dairy, vegan, strawberry. Our, um, our, um, 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 ooh, um, oh gosh. It's like a praline that they make at a uh, hedonist. It's so mm. good. It's a non-dairy one. It's so good. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I, I always go to uh, the non-dairy Ben and Jerry's, Cherry Garcia. Oh, I haven't had that one. <gasps> oh, Amani, their non-dairy Cherry Garcia is, Delicious. I mean, it might be life-changing. I'm just going to say. Um, don't, yeah, don't, amazing. don't threaten me with a good time because I will go get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so outside of worship, what is one way kind of a reliable way for you to connect to God, Jesus, to the divine? I walk the zoo. I have a zoo pass, um, the grandmother pass. So I can take all the kids. So just also know that um, <laughs> it's right behind me. The zoo is right behind my house. Ah. So I walk there once a week and I just look at the animals. Hmm. Oh, wonderful. That's beautiful. Yeah. What is uh, one resource you rely on that helps you remain grounded in your faith? Mm. 
So, um, well, you can't really see it. Um, well, other than the Bible, I mean, am I supposed to like, yeah, no, yeah. First answer and resources broad. Oh, oh, well, actually. So the one thing that keeps me grounded in my faith, you can't see it. I have, um, in, in, um, Nigerian tradition, that's part of my lineage. Uh, we have ancestor altars. Uh, which means that we keep all of our ancestors in a candle. And so right here is, um, that keeps me grounded in my face. So I look at my great-great-great-grandmother Lucy and my my mother Connie and my, I have only my matriarchs um, <laughs> all right there. And that's where I sit every morning. You are quite literally surrounded by the cloud of witnesses. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is Lucy. I, I just gotta show you Lucy. So I found this picture of her. She was a slave. That's her. Ooh, mm. which way does it go? That way. Yeah, there. right there. Yeah, wow. she's sitting in a rocking chair and yeah. she's wearing a hat, like some kind of head wrap, a big old white kind yeah. of dress. Yeah, yeah, she's perfect. Wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. Finally, mm-hmm. final question: Christmas or Easter? My father, okay. This question causes (laughs) so much consternation. My father's birthday is Christmas day. So if I don't say, and it is the kickoff for Kwanzaa. So he he would say, but I love Easter. I, I love that. I, I, I love Easter uh, because I just remember growing up with my grandparents getting a new Easter dress and getting lilies of the valley and it, it, they, who, they are who raised me. So Easter in that regards. Yeah. 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 Lovely. So much of this is tied to those personal experiences and to those who showed us the faith, who walked, walked the journey before us. Thank you for your time, Amani, and for the conversation and for sharing so much of yourself, not just in this podcast, but in your call and with the church and with all you meet. We are grateful. Thank you both. And the people at at Bethlehem, I do love them. You know, many of them and I, we traveled to Zimbabwe together in Zambia. I just adore them. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you for your time. All right, we'll see you soon. Thanks for living the word with us today. Don't miss an episode. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have someone you'd like us to interview, please be sure to email us at theword at blcfairport.org. If you'd like to support Bethlehem Lutheran Church and the ministry we share, including this podcast, please visit our website at www.blcfairport.org.